Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend, and welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. I'm so glad that you're here listening in. And in this interview today, I'm with Gina Fontaine, and she's an amazing human being. She's an overcomer. She understands pain and feeling like a failure as a mom. She's also a personal trainer and wellness coach and the author of You Are a Super Mom, Five Ways to Reclaim Your Superpower and Thrive as a Mom. Now, this is not just your your usual book of like, let's be super moms. This is a book that she shares her vulnerable story. And she shares with us here in this episode how as a single mom, she dealt with two of her kids who are really struggling in different ways and how she felt like she was failing and questioning herself and didn't know what to do. And then she started writing. And through this process of writing, she discovered that how she handled herself through the challenges that she was going through was proof that she was a super mom and that she did have this power within herself to thrive in the face of adversity. And you're going to come out the other side of this episode feeling less alone and more inspired that whatever you're going through right now, you can find healing and hope. Let's jump in. Well, welcome, Gina, to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. And it's great to have you on today. And thank you so much, Cheryl. This is a really my niche audience because I have three children in this age span, so between ages 11 and 18. Yeah, well, I am so excited about what we're going to talk about, and I feel like it's perfect timing for me to be talking about your all the things that you talk about in your new book, Supermom, Find Ways to Reclaim Your Superpower and Thrive as a Mom. And... I'm right now, I'm launching uh, a three-day free training next week, and then I we open up the membership, and I'm like doing all this multitasking, (laughs) and I'm feeling exhausted and overwhelmed and, um, you know, was reading your book, I told you before we got on here, and I'm like, oh, Gina would say it's okay for me to power nap, so I'm just going to take a nap, so I'm just kind of looking at this time like I'm going to get filled up and nourished, just listening to what you have to share. So I was really, really looking forward to being with you today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So before we jump in, why don't you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself and your, your personal story and what led you to write this book? Okay. I'm Gina Fontaine. I actually grew up in the Midwest in Indiana. I was the youngest of 10 children. And so I consider my mother to be the original super mom. And she raised 10 of us kids. Pretty amazing. And she really demonstrated to me the importance of self-care, that that power nap that you were talking about. That was something that Sharon Bosler did every (laughs) single day after lunch. And um, even though I was a five-year-old, I can remember wandering away, making sure she was asleep and then, you know, going and playing. Uh, She 
would always tell me when I had children. So I have three children that are now 11, 14 and 18. And I can remember when they were infants, she would always say, now, now when the baby naps, you nap. Well, what mom does that? Some, you know, some really disciplined moms, but at the time that was, okay, this is when I flip into busy mode and get all my tasks done. And it's, it's not until now that I'm, you know, a more seasoned mom that I I see the value of those, those little rests and parenting teens and tweens, which is where all of my kids are right now, especially during pandemic times when you are at home with your children and it, it's just really the recipe for a perfect storm. And uh, so I became a single mom in 2017 and that experience really led me to the conclusion that I absolutely had to put myself at the top and take care of myself so that I could fulfill all the responsibilities now being on my own. And I, I left an abusive situation and, you know, unfortunately my, my oldest was the victim of, of the abuse and that left a lot of trauma marks on him. And, uh, during the pandemic, it was just like everything flared. He was going through some major depression and, uh, actually attempted to take his life and and thank goodness he is, he was unsuccessful and he is still here with us today. But that, that situation in May of 2020 was when I, I had to find somewhere to put my thoughts and my pain. And I did a lot of walking. I'm sure a lot of people did during our lockdown time. And I would just voice record what I was feeling or thinking on that day and I, out of curiosity, I would come home and listen and I, I started to transcribe it. And I realized, you know what? I bet I'm not the only mom going through these difficulties right now. And so I just kept going. I kept writing with the encouragement of some friends that said, you know, there are, there are people out there that are going to really appreciate your vulnerability and sharing the struggles and the challenges that you've experienced as a mom. And so I, I went for it. And then at a certain point, I thought, nobody wants to hear my drama. Nobody. Who wants to li- read this story? It's not, well, it didn't seem uplifting to me at the time, but in retrospect, now when I read it, I see where there's a lot of a lot of material to give moms hope because I, I didn't just get through it. I feel like I thrived through it. And uh, my background is in health and wellness. So I have a lot of tools that I've collected in my 27 year career as a fitness trainer and health and wellness professional. So I, I really implemented those during, during my most stressful times. And and really prior to the pandemic, my, my um, then 15 year old, he did everything that you don't want your teenagers to get into. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's when I was throwing my hands up like, hey, I'm a I'm a good person. I'm a formal former, you know, number two in her class in high school and all star athlete. And where did I go wrong that I have a kid who's doing drugs, not going to school, cutting classes? It just baffled me. And I I put it on myself and I started saying, where did I go wrong? What did I do? And that's an awful place to be as a mom to feel like I've, I've done it all wrong. I've messed up my kid. And what, what parent hasn't had that feeling at some point in time during our parenting journey, you're at least I know I am constantly questioning, okay, is that the right thing to do? Am I doing this right? And uh, there really is no perfect guidebook, right. For, for parenting. That's at least what I discovered. Yeah, no, there is not. <laughs> I found that oftentimes reading the the expert written guidebooks, you know, by this great PhD, or I would wind up feeling like a failure after reading the book. Like, well, I I can't do all that. I, how am I going to implement all that? And when you're in total overwhelm and total stress, for me, it, like I my brain doesn't absorb material when I'm in constant fight or flight. And that's an unknown fact. Like our executive function shuts down when we're constantly stressed. And so I could read a book, attend a class, but it, the, it wouldn't stick. 
And so ultimately what I discovered was if I just took care of myself, stayed in a more positive mindset and really just embraced that things were messy, going through a divorce and restructuring your family, it's messy. And accepting that it was going to be messy for a while. And that once I got to that place of of peace, and it's, it's still a daily practice that that's when things started to shift for me. And I thought, you know, this can be a book. And then I resumed writing again, realizing that this can be a book that helps validate moms on their path and dads too, for that, that matter. And this is certainly not exclusively a mom read. I've, I have had men read the book and and gain value from from what I present. Yeah, I want to thank you for writing the book, for having the courage. It is a vulnerable book where you share your story and your struggle. And I'm just struck by how it was you expressing your pain and and letting it out that really brought a lot of healing. And then through your own pain, you are essentially blessing others by, by putting it out there into the world so that they know that they're not alone. And I think that that's a beautiful thing when we can take our own pain and make meaning from it and, and offer something. And that's what we need. I mean, it's like you said, we want to, you know, Find the answer, you know, like, just tell me what to do, which is so normal. Yeah. But there's a lot of pain involved and just getting, you know, letting that out and putting yourself first where you can just slow down and just have that time to reflect. So, and, and, and through that, you ended up, you know, I love your reflective questions and how through that process in the book, you shift, you give such wonderful tools of how to shift your mindset and how to take care of yourself when you're in the pit. Yeah. Yeah. And in the pit and, you know, I can remember being in a place where it seemed like every single day there was a crisis and I would literally be calling the crisis line to to get help because my my son was very angry and he would I, I he tells me he doesn't even remember some of the episodes where he would turn on me and uh, become verbally abusive. And when you are just in a constant state of fight or flight, I've been there where you you, you know there's tools like I'm a yoga teacher. I've been teaching yoga for 25 years, and my yoga practice didn't even necessarily ground me. It was, it's kind of like sometimes the deep breathing almost made the, the feelings oh, bubble up more. <laughs> and yeah, and I, I thought, okay, <laughs> yeah, so much for calming down. This is, and, and there's this, uh, you know, saying that feeling is healing. And so, you know, there's a lot of ways we can suppress feeling and we can drink a bottle of wine. We can eat a carton of Haagen-Dazs and it, might make things feel better in the, you know, in that particular moment. But until we allow those uncomfortable feelings to arise, and that's where I, I really feel support is, is so important and that we moms have to, to stay together in community and, and share our, in my case, sharing my experience, strength and hope for moms that, you know, might be shuttered and, and thinking, I can't. I'm too ashamed to share my story. And what I found that my, my sharing has opened the door for other women to say, Oh, you know, I didn't want to say anything, but I'm really having a tough time with my daughter or my son. And here's what's going on because the truth is it's not all graduations, high school dances and honor roll. Like, there's other things that happen. They just don't get posted on social media and we don't, we don't see those elements of life, but it's still, I talk about in the book, uh, living in fullness and I define living in fullness is when you can take your whole life experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, the nice, the not so pretty, and just embrace it all the same way that we do when our kid is 
you know, screaming and yelling and throwing a tantrum or we, we still love them. We still embrace them. And so, but why can't we do the same to ourselves when we're, we show up quote unquote imperfect? Uh, it's, we, I see the pattern. I do it myself. We tend to go towards self-sabotage like, oh, darn it. Why am I doing this again? And, and, you know, I, I maybe yelled at my kids again today and I vowed I wasn't going to do that anymore. Yep. It's some, you know, it's just like, yep, there that is again. And I'm going to love that part of myself because that's, that's part of me and it's who I am today. And I'm not alone in it. And I'm, I'm human. I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You write a lot about that in the book. Well, tell us, um, this is such good stuff and I want to get a little deeper in it, but tell us what the five myths are that you share in the book. Yes. So the, the five myths are things that I recognize that we live by as moms that aren't necessarily healthy for us. So myth number one is that a good mom always puts her kids first. Well, if that's to the detriment of your own health and well-being, it might not be the best thing. Uh, Myth number two is moms are master multitaskers. Well, absolutely we are because it's like it becomes like basic survival as you as more kids join the family. And yet we know scientifically that our brain can only focus on one meaningful task at a time. And so is it. It, it might be, it might look like we're being productive, but are we really? And again, at what expense to our health and well-being? Again, uh, myth number three is being a mom is tough. And how many times you probably couldn't go a day during the pandemic where you didn't hear somebody saying, oh, it's so tough. Being a mom is tough. And yeah, it is. But if you verbalize that on a daily basis, you'll tend to attract more. That's the lens you're going to see life through. And so you'll tend to see that, yeah, it's tough. Or you can say, and I, you know, first it's like, you have to change the lens and then saying something like being a mom's easy, being a mom is fun and start to look for evidence of that. Uh, And it's, it's not that easy. I, I acknowledge that, uh, myth number four is being a mom is exhausting. And again, who, who doesn't say that? And so that's, that's about, uh, really realizing what is draining your energy. Like Cheryl, you mentioned that you've been multitasking and doing all this stuff to get ready for your event. And then you feel it at the end of the day. And, and, uh, so how can we then create that being a mom is exhilarating and, you know, what lights you up? I love that in the book, by the way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it just, the energy feels different. Like I relate to even, I'm so tired. You know, (laughs) that's one that I I will say, or waking up in the morning, I just don't have enough time. And then, and then it's like, it just feels like all this weight versus changing our language. So I, I even have to say it out loud, you know, like you are excited about today. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> grateful about today. You know, it really is. It's switching up our mind, our mindset, which you, yeah, you're, it's so helpful in the book, how you talk about how to do that. But anyway, so number five, I enter and number, yeah. Mom, number five is, and I think we hear this all the time. Moms do it all. And that uh, it, it's impossible. First of all, moms can't possibly do it all. And on the flip side of that, it's where in your life can you let go of control and stop trying, especially with our teenage kids who are, are so close to flying the, you know, from the nest and where can we, you know, my situation stop waking my son up to go to school and say, you know what, he gets to experience the repercussions of his inability to it was just simply turning on the computer to go to school and he wasn't able to do that. And yeah, it's hard to get a call from the principal saying your kid is flunking out of school, but you know what? It's not at that point in time, it's not my responsibility. It's, it's on him. And 
it, it's so hard, you, you know, when our kids are are making poor choices that we think are going to mess them up for the rest of their lives. And in the end, he got his GED and he's, you know, off working full time now. And it, I celebrate his success and I expect great things for him in the future. Yeah. And I could still be there. And I, I call it meddling where you, you're just always having to like put the pieces of, of your kid's life together so that they become the straight A honor student or the, oh, the best athlete or get into Stanford. And it it's like our role as parents is more to just be like, Hey, I got you. I, I got your back. I'm here to help you be who you're here to be. And I, we all have hopes, dreams, and aspirations for our kids. But I, I feel like as we surrender that and just say, uh, you know, the, the happiness, the fulfillment as a, a parent will be just when I allow my, my child to take those steps on their own, the steps and the stumbles on their own, because that's, that's how we grow. I love that. So I think we have to pause on this because it's mm-hmm. so good and it's so difficult to do as moms, as the moms are listening. So what were you like as a mom when you were trying to get your son up, when you were trying to control the trajectory, the decisions he was making? Mm-hmm. How I always say, how's that working for you? Like, how was that? How was that working for you? It, it felt to me like the more I pushed, the more he resisted. And it was kind of like, oh, I'll just stay in bed till two instead of noon. Yeah. And I'll show you. I it, it, Same thing with the vaping. Uh, I would constantly, you know, sweep through his room. And if I'd find him, I'd swipe him and throw him away. Well, guess what? He'd just call a friend and he'd, he'd go get another one and they would keep reappearing. And I realized, okay, he he's going to, again, have to experience the repercussions of, of this. And now these days he tells me, oh, I can't run anymore. I'm coughing too much. Well, eventually one day, maybe when he's 20, he'll want to run again and he'll realize that something, the vaping has to be eliminated. It's so hard though to, yeah, to, let, to release our children to their life lessons lovingly, not with guilt, like, oh, you're going to hurt yourself or you're, you know, you're yeah, so lazy. Yeah. And those things came out of my mouth. I can, I'm sure, you know, I'd go down there and, oh my gosh, you're so lazy. Why can't you get up? And that's not helpful either. And so I lovingly release you to your life lessons is a, a mantra that I became very familiar with. Yeah, that's a good one. I release you to your life lessons. Mm-hmm. And that's really giving them back ownership of their lives. And I think mm-hmm. that's so it's hard to do, but it's so important. Like you get to choose how you want to live your lives. I, I life, I can't live your life for you. Yeah. And I think that really makes kids think because there's no resistance there anymore. Mm -hmm. And they just have themselves. They're stuck with themselves and their own choices. Like you said, he was resisting so much. Yeah. We were trying to do to control and it just wasn't working. So how has your relationship changed since you started giving him, handing him back his life? Well, at this point, he turned 18 last month and he uh, got an apartment with a friend and I, I'm just going with the no news is good news. I continue to send him texts and say, I love you. Hope things are going well. Invitation. Do you want to go have lunch? I'm not hearing back from him. And I don't, I don't take that personally as, uh, you know, I, I take it as he just needs time and space to establish his independence. And when he's ready, and I do have communication through his, his counselor. And I I figure when, when he's ready and has worked through whatever he's working through, then we can reboot our relationship. And I have found, I've had periods of time where he was not living with me when he was younger. He was lived with his dad. He lived with a friend for a while and our relationship was much better then. It, It was getting together and it, I, I wasn't on top of him being, you know, in the, the authority role <clears throat> and uh, it gave us an opportunity to connect 
on a deeper level and, and come to the realization that he's a really bright and um, he explores new ideas and he teaches me about Bitcoin and things. So he's very, <laughs> he's very aware. He, he kind of, he has an, a vision of it, that his life is going to be very different from the uh, status quo. So I'm proud of him for that, that uh, he, you know, says, I, I'm not going to go right to college. I'm going to save money and figure out what I really want to do. And I, I celebrate that because that's, that's not the necessarily normal thing to do. And he's aware that he doesn't want to waste his money going to college and not having clarity on what he wants to study. So I, I respect that. Yes. Very independent of him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, living on his own and making his way and deciding what he wants to do. I think that we get so bogged down in the way that we think it's supposed to look. Yeah. Based on our families and how he grew up and all that. And then you have a kid that goes to college, but they're partying all the time. And, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, um, and not, of course, all kids are doing that. But just because they're going to college doesn't, you know, doesn't mean that that's, that's necessarily, you know, the best decision for them. So I think, yeah, yeah. To, to figure out, like I have a friend and her kids all went to two years of community college, saved money. Then they went on to a regular college and that was a great choice for them. Like it looks different. Your son got his GED. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and what passed it with flying colors. Yeah. 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 Um, which of the, do you particularly, you said you were reread, you keep rereading your book because it helps mm-hmm. you, which yeah. I can see that because you, you asked such good questions. Is there one particular chapter right now that's speaking to you? It's interesting. I was back home in Indiana a few weeks ago and just having some struggles with family and, and as I was leaving to go to the airport, my mom handed me my book and she said, this is what you need to read on the airplane. <laughs> and, and she was absolutely right. And I, I think the the general message of positivity of everything's always working out for you and, and everything's here to help you even when it doesn't feel like it, when you're in the moment and it, it's excruciating and you just want to get to the other side where it's more comfortable, the, the being, the being in the, the uncomfortable place of when we're making changes in our life, it, it's not necessarily, it, it might be simple, like, Oh, here, surrender control. And that's, that's probably for me, what's speaking the most is just step out of the way and, surrender control, which is myth, myth number five, kind of the flip side of mom does it all is instead surrender control and, and recognize where you can, well, it goes back to the serenity prayer. Really? It goes, you know, like Mm -hmm. help me to know what I can control, what I can't and, you know, where I need to have the wisdom to know the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and ultimately the, the piece of self-love of, wrapping my loving arms around myself in those moments of despair, or I don't know what to do. And why does my kid keep misbehaving and having compassion for myself instead of why can't I get this right? And what, why do I keep making the same mistakes over and over? Those type of questions aren't, aren't helpful. And I, I like to write, I even put this in the book where I have uh, a statement that I make, like I, I, I claim living in a healthy, harmonious home. And it was, I was anywhere, I wasn't even close to that two years ago, but I wrote it down on a piece of paper, thought about it every day, put it in a box and, and in a way just offered it up you know, to the, the higher power the sovereign being in me that this is going, everything's going to work out. If I keep my lens focused on healthy, happy, harmonious home. And it starts again with you, mom, as you know, if you're at peace, it's amazing how the, the vibration of peace just kind of 
goes out beyond you to others. And our, our kids, they're like, they have little radars and they can sense us. (laughs) It's, it's really, I mean, even babies, especially babies, I think, you know, have these radars of really tuning into our anxiety or our anger or whatever it, it might be. And, and I'm not even saying don't feel angry, don't feel anxious because I know that we're going to, but let it be okay. Like, okay, today's just going to be one of those high anxiety days. So I'm going to need to take that power nap. I'm going to need to go for maybe two or three walks to process through this and just let it be okay. That it's, it's like, there's something in it. Um, You know, there's a, maybe a message in it. And are you, if you're willing to stay with it, emotion, the word is it's an energy in motion. So if you can just be with that energy for a a little while, it will move and it will transform into something else. But when we suppress it, and I I think there's like the law of attraction movement of like, I think it's been misinterpreted where people are like, oh, I can't feel sad because then I'll attract bad things. Or I can't feel angry because then I'll, I got to raise my vibe. Well, I, my interpretation of that is feel the sadness, feel whatever it is you're feeling with self-compassion, love, love yourself through that. And don't make yourself wrong because it's the, it's the making yourself wrong and trying to fix yourself that, that tends to deplete you. And, uh, the, the, and again, we're, we're trying to live the spiritual path. And I, I had this realization a few weeks ago, I was listening to a meditation master, named Muji. And, and he said, isn't it funny how we've westernized spirituality? And it's all about doing, you know, the right mantra and doing the right practice and going to see, you know, the performing, yeah, performing yeah. the mindfulness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, he's absolutely right. We have totally westernized even spirituality to when the message is to just be and allow and you know, it's just our nature as Americans, we always feel like we have to go about um, and do and, uh, you know, create and manifest. And what if you just, all you had to do was open yourself up to receive uh, something that you can't even conceive of in your head, like this or something even greater beyond my, my wildest Mm -hmm. dreams and imagination. Mm -hmm. I love that because what you're saying, what I'm I'm getting from this is just how important it is like to feel what we're feeling, but we don't want to feel what we're feeling if it's pain or if it's uncomfortable. And so then we try to get ourselves out of it by whatever that looks like, whether it's drinking the wine, it's eating the Haagen-Dazs, it's, it's beating ourselves up, you know, and then we can turn on ourselves and blame ourselves and all those things are trying to just make it go away. It's like trying to make anxiety go away, but the more you try to make it go away, the worse it becomes. Mm-hmm. I like, don't feel anxious. Don't feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm anxious. You know, and then I, <laughs> the races, it's just like, okay, I'm feeling what I'm feeling and that's okay. Like it's okay to feel what I feel and surrendering to it. And through that surrender and that self-compassion, then we can actually move through into a more spiritual, like abundant, spacious place of being, because we're not resisting. I think it's, you know, it's that resistance, that energy of just keep resisting whatever that is, whether it be Mm -hmm. our kids are doing something or um, we're feeling something, the more that we're trying to grasp it and control it, it just doesn't work. Well, it's constrictive when we do that. I'm going to quote my book here. So the I I say in the book, grow, get big, expand, and the universe is going to fill that space in ways you never, ever planned. And it, but you have to open that space up first. And when we're like in there meddling and trying to control, we don't allow new possibilities to come in. Yeah. It's really takes, it's faith too, right? Faith, Mm -hmm. like trusting that there's a God or however that looks, you know, it's, that's, for you that's in it like you're not alone in it yeah yeah 
So self-compassion. So what are some of the internal, what are some of the messages when you're practicing self-compassion that you say to yourself? I love myself, like standing in the mirror. And that's a powerful practice. I probably don't do it enough, but I think it was maybe two days after my divorce was finalized and I was out hiking and just processing and kind of like, oh, okay, I'm free. And I met this older gentleman on the trail and I, I swear he was, it was like having a connection with God, but he, somehow we got talking about my experience and basically his message to me was your ex may never be nice to you. So every day, I just want you to say, I love you. I love you. Stand in front of the mirror and say, I love you. I love you. I love you. And just like, we can't control our external environment, the people around us. And, you know, our kid might always insult us when they're a 16 year old, you know, it all. Uh, We can't control that, but I can control whether I react to it or respond to it or ignore it. And, um, and so staying in that place of, I love myself more today than I did yesterday and embracing your experience, uh, whatever it is. And that, that sounds way too simplistic because when that concept was first introduced to me by a friend, I was like, oh, sure. Yeah. Love myself when my whole world is erupting and I'm, you know, hardly making any money and on welfare and yeah. Oh, okay. I'll love myself. And I, but it, it worked and it, it took a lot of time um, and baths and, and just finding those practices that were nourishing. You, You said the word nourishing and nourishing myself instead of, I, I had such a long history of bashing myself because that's, that's kind of the way when I'm an athlete and that's like no pain, no gain. And, and so I would instead flog myself for not getting it right. And when I started realizing that these, these stumbles and these imperfections were actually growth opportunities, uh, it, it changed the perspective for me and to, to love myself through those, those growth periods. I really enjoy in the book how you talk about changing your perspective. You acknowledge what's true. So it's not like you're denying it. But Mm -hmm. even when I when I say to myself, like you just said, oh, this is an opportunity for me to learn about myself or this is this is an opportunity where I can lean in and I, I will grow from this. I can grow from this. There's just a difference. You know, mm-hmm. that when, when I've, when I say those things and I have some people in my life that say those things to me, it's just really, really is helpful, um, mm-hmm. you know, to think of it that way. Well, let's talk about, I have a final question. Um, I want to talk about boundaries because mm-hmm. I think that is an area that we really struggle with. And you were saying, you know, all of the myths kind of fit into that, you know, I'm, I'm not enough, you know, I got to do it all, um, you know, and, and boundaries are so important. And I don't think that we're very good at it. I know I wasn't. And I, I had a friend, this was a year or so before I got divorced and she was just said, I don't feel that you have any boundaries. And I just said, I don't even know what you're talking about. Isn't it good to be open and flexible? Cause that, that's what I always prided myself. And I am so flexible and adaptable. And I was never putting a boundary with anything. And so it, it's been a six year process for me of learning what is a, what it, does it mean to set a healthy boundary to say, no, I, I'm not going to do that because it doesn't, it doesn't light me up. Like the, the word should, like I hear oh, that yeah. with so oh. many, you know, I, oh, I should exercise. Oh, I should volunteer for the board. Oh, I should be the home. Should, should, should. The, I should be the home, the homeroom mom. <laughs> right. I, I should volunteer for the field trip. I yeah. <laughs> and when we go to that place of, of should, when I call it shooting on yourself, it it's like, I would rather hear women say, uh, I get to, I get to exercise. Like then it becomes an opportunity and a a privilege. And just like saying those two phrases, I should exercise versus 
I get to exercise today. It just uh-huh. changes the whole experience. And I, I mean, my background is in fitness and I'm an exercise professional and, and part of, you know, finding the vitality and, and energy in life is finding some way to move your body. I, that feels good to you. And, uh, that's, you know, kind of one of my signatures is, is find fun movement to do all day long. I call them one minute wellness solutions that lift your spirits so that you can get through that. There should be a training program before we enter the tween and teen years, because I, I had no idea what I was in for. (laughs) I thought I'd be, you know, you're not dealing with a rational human with a fully formed brain. And I, I have to constantly remind myself that, and, you know, to be strong and, you know, for me, you know, doing physical movement, meditation, those are kind of like my, um, my armor that, that I keep myself, my defense against the insults, against the, uh, the pushback that, that we inevitably experience with kids of this age. It makes a huge difference. I mean, and it's, we know it, but you know, it, I'm just always surprised like, Oh yeah, I'm depleted. So if Mm -hmm. I'm depleted, I'm going to have a much bigger reaction towards whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that is. If I'm hooked into my kid and the choices they're making, that is just taking so much energy. I'm not going to, you know, I, I have to consciously think I am going to reclaim that. Like I'm going to take that energy over here that I'm focused on this kid and I'm going to pull it back. And what can I do? Mm-hmm. And you asked some good questions to reflect on. Can you think of any in the moment um, that are some of the questions that could help moms like to set boundaries or to reclaim parts of them, their their lives, take, take back ownership of their lives. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was asking how, how will my son find, you know, find success or how, I don't know how that's going to happen for him, but to know that it's not about me taking the steps, it's again, surrendering him to his life lessons, because I, I found that when I would go to him, with advice, with this is what you need to do, step one, step two, step three, he would just kind of look at me and roll his eyes and be like, I, I got this mom. And I, I think we forget that I, our kids really just want connection that I, I'm a, I'm a healer. I'm a fixer. So I, I always feel like I have to give them advice and I have, and that's not necessarily what they want. They, they really just want to be heard and validated that, oh, it, it must be really frustrating to not know um, where you're going to go to look for a job and to, to not know those steps. W- would you like help from me? And, and that same thing happened when my son was, we gave him a date to find an apartment. And I would ask him for those three months, like, do you need help looking? Do you, do you want my help? And I always got, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> So, and I, you know, it's asking and not just assuming. Cause I, I think when we're in that author- authoritarian role as parents and we just tell and instruct, I, I feel it's disrespectful to, the, to them as free thinking humans that, yes, um, that yes. they do, they know what they, they like and what they, they don't like. So those questions are so much more empowering to them. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then if the, we do give advice and then they don't take it, then we're mad. Yeah. That they're not taking it. So it's just a, it's just a setup for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't work well. Yeah. Yeah. And trusting that you planted the seeds early in life and the, you know, it's, it's yeah. there. <laughs> it might well, not be evident. Moms, you have planted the seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it might be when they're 22 or 25, when you start to see like, oh, okay, starting to eat healthy now, or he's starting to, to exercise again. And all those, those seeds did, they, they just needed some time to, to grow through the weeds of, um, you know, so that they could become more fully themselves and kind of weed out, you know, what's, what's mom, what's dad, what's me, and what am I going to take? And what am I going to leave behind as a, you know, a child? 
Exactly. Yeah. I would not have wanted to parent me. (laughs) (laughs) But my mom was not hooked into everything I was doing. Like, I think we are in this generation. We're just Mm -hmm. much more aware, you know, I don't know. There's, have you found that as well? I mean, well, you grew up with 10 kids in your family. Yeah. Your parents couldn't, you know, know every little gritty detail that was happening. But um, I know I certainly made lots of mistakes. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I kind of sorted a lot of that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I guess we all have to go through our process. And I'm, I'm grateful that my my oldest kind of went through that process sooner than later. And not didn't become a 25 year old who became defiant and didn't know what he wanted. So uh, it's, it's not necessarily the path that every parent would want for their, their child, but uh, it seems at this moment, it seems to be working okay. And and he's living independently and that's, that's what we, our greatest hope for our kids. Absolutely. And who knows what amazing things he's going to do because when you study, I put together a whole sheet Uh, for one of the workshops of all the people, you know, so many people that um, we know every name that are well-known and they did not have traditional, you know, upper, they maybe dropped out of high school or they Mm -hmm. dropped out of college or Steven Spielberg, he had like ADHD and Mm -hmm. he didn't do well in school and, you know, but he picked up the camera, you know, it's like, yeah, that, each person had a different, had a unique path yeah. to what they do. So we'll tell everybody where to find your book and moms. I can't recommend this book enough. Just it's, it is like having a warm blanket and you can get your tea and do the journaling exercises that you have in the book, the good questions and shifting your mindset. I mean, thank you. And you'll, mm-hmm. you know, reading it, it's like, Oh, I'm not alone that I feel this way. Mm. Oh, thank you. Yeah. The the book is available on Amazon. There's some great reviews that, that you can read that are already up there. And it just touches my heart to, you know, to hear what people are already experiencing that, you know, it's the kind of book where one mom says, you know, I can just open it up and what I need to, to read in the moment is just, it always seems to be right there. And I even have a great grandma that read the book and you know, said, I wish I had had this book 50 years ago when I was first raising my own children. So that feels so good that, that people are, are resonating with, with the self-reflection, uh, piece of the book. So Mm -hmm. it's also available on Barnes and Noble. And, uh, and I, I, it it appears to me that I need to create a workbook now. Uh, and uh, I will be, starting the super mom club, uh, where we'll be basically working together through the steps of the book. So I'm, I'm really excited to do that because it'll, it's, it's more experiential. I know, I know we all want to think that we can find the answer in that book or, you know, that class that we took, but it's, it's a process, you know, when we're learning to love ourselves, um, I, I wish it came innate that we just like loved ourselves and, and it it seems like it would be the most natural thing in the world. But as moms, I feel like we, we give love really good, but can you turn that and, and give it to yourself? And that's kind of the ultimate, uh, the ultimate gift of, of doing the experiential portion. Well, yeah, I love that you're doing that because groups of moms can encourage one another and hear each other's stories. And that's really powerful. When are you going to, when are you going to do that? I mean, you're. Yeah. So I am, I'm launching on October 18th. I'm doing just a 10 day super mom club challenge where I will be each of those 10 days offering. it, It might be 20 minutes of super mom yoga. It might be, you know, here's, um, here's your awareness today. Find everything that is right instead of uh, like, looking yeah. at all the things that are wrong. Uh-huh. So it'll just Love be it. a day by day challenge of, of finding the good and nurturing yourself. And then, you know, that will be, give women an opportunity to understand, okay, what, what's the super mom club about and it. And I think I'm redefining super mom. It's not the woman who goes out and is volunteers for everything and does it all. The super mom is, 
is the one that knows her boundaries and knows how to nourish and fill herself up so she can be an even better, stronger mom. And so I'm giving women 10 days to experience that. And then I'll be opening the super mom club in November. So it'll be a, a monthly membership based um, experience Good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Thank you. So, so it's Gina Fontaine, spell your name. So they know exactly yeah. where to find your website and everything. Yeah. So it's um, G I N A F O N T a I N E.com. Gina Fontaine.com is my website. And, uh, and the Amazon, if you go to Amazon and put on, you are yeah. a super mom, you, you are a super it. mom, five mm-hmm. ways to reclaim your superpower and thrive. Correct. Yes. <laughs> so you can find, and I'll put the links in the, uh, the notes podcast. Wonderful. So thank you so much yes. yeah, for everything that you're putting out to the world and, for all that you're doing. I appreciate you being on the show today. Yes. Thank you, Cheryl. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for today, friend. And thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that you found this episode helpful and that you took away some nuggets that you can focus on this week. And I especially loved the part where Gina just shared how to love ourselves, how to have grace and compassion towards ourselves, and also the importance of having support in our lives where we can tell the truth about our challenges. And if you need more of a community to know that you're not alone, then reach out to me at CherylMomsOfTweensAndTeens.com and I can point you to some resources and share our Facebook community where moms are sharing their challenges and struggles and getting feedback and also all the resources that we have here at Moms of Tweens and Teens. I would love to share that with you. And also, if you enjoy this podcast, please spread the love, tell your friends, leave a review. That really helps us to um, other moms to find us, which is so important to me. I want moms to know that they're not alone and to give them hope and tools and healing. So have a great week and I will see you back here next time.